Hi guys, welcome to Midlife Crisis, your gaming podcast brought to you by the Middle-Aged Gamers. As per usual, hosted by myself, Francis, my trusty companion, Dan. And this week we have a special guest speaker, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ben. So Ben, for all you guys, is our resident horror expert. Uh, He's basically the expert who knows everything on horror films horror games because it's his favorite genre of games uh and the theme of this week's podcast is horror uh going back from the beginning of video games uh, up into present times uh before we get into that if we do our usual segment of what games we are playing at the moment uh anything changed this week dan uh yeah picked up no man's sky after the next update and uh, it's been really good really, really interesting uh, I haven't played as much as you, I know, Frank, but, um, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I've played a good sort of uh, 20 hours, I'd say, and um, it, it's still going strong. It's still good. Cool. So if you guys remember from last week, we did our good, bad and ugly, uh, and one of my bad games, which is the worst game I ever played, was No Man's Sky, uh, obviously famous for uh, not delivering what was supposed to be in the uh, the game first time around. Um, as Daniel just mentioned, I have also been playing No Man's Sky this week after the massive next update. Um, and I must say, it is an incredible game. They've definitely done uh, a 180 degree turn. Um, they've promised what they, or they delivered what they promised. They've added multiplayer, they've added incredible base building, an actual story campaign. So if you guys haven't and you want to sort of take the plunge, I definitely suggest you pick up No Man's Sky. And I'm sure in the next coming weeks, once we've soaked a bit more time into it, we'll definitely be discussing it again, potentially re-reviewing it. Um, What about you, Ben? What have you been playing this week? Um, I picked up Friday the 13th again after getting not not playing it for a while because it went shit when they brought out it on disc. Yeah, I heard that after they had a um, a few issues with a lawsuit that they're not going to continue any content. But the game as it stands at the moment, is it definitely worth playing? Um, no, I would rather play Dead by Daylight. Okay, that's cool. Um, well, we'll definitely cover those games as well. Um, ben and I have also been playing a lot of Fortnite. Uh, as we mentioned last week with the Season 5 coming out, um, I've recently started playing uh, on the PC as well. Uh, and Ben's playing on the P- uh, PS4, so we're doing a kind of like trying the cos- cross-play thing. Uh, I'm trying out the mouse and keyboard just to see if I can aim any better. As we found out today, I can't, so we're still, tr- we're still trying to, to win a game together. You can build quicker, though. I can build quicker, uh, which is the main, the main thing. Um, other than the games that I've mentioned, I did start playing Mad Max uh, this week, because it was free on the PS Plus. But I had the disc before it became free, um, and I'm really enjoying that game. Um, I didn't actually give it a chance when I first bought it, but I've soaked in a few hours into the game now, and I'm really enjoying the uh, the open world uh, and the Mad Max theme. Have either of you guys played it at all? Um, yeah, I played, yeah, I played it. Yeah, quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I, uh, to be fair, like I definitely... 
regret not playing it when it first came out and when I picked up the disc, but considering the fact that a lot of people picked it up free, um, if you haven't sort of added it or played it from your PS4 library, if you added it when it was free, definitely try that one out. And I also played a bit of uh, Agents of Mayhem as well, um, which is basically Saints Row mixed with Overwatch. Uh, I picked it up for £4, and it's a really good game for £4. I wouldn't have paid any more for it, but it's definitely worth checking out. You could also pick it up £3 at certain Poundlands in the UK store. So. Oh, okay. I did not know that. So for anybody who's... Is it what? Is it all pound lands or is it just a specific few, do you know? Oh, it's whatever stores that sell the Xbox and PlayStation games. It depends on the store what games they have. Oh, cool. So if anybody's in the market for a new game and they want to pick up something cheap, um, I'd, I'd recommend it. I'd probably give it like a 7 out of 10. Uh, if you like Saints Row and you like open world games, it's quite tongue-in-cheek humour, so it's definitely worth checking that one out. So... The main topic that we're going to be talking about in this podcast this week is horror. Um, if we sort of go back in time and would, what we discuss is the first horror games that we played and probably move on to obviously modern horrors and how it's changed. So obviously Ben here, being the, uh, the expert on all things horror, if you want to kick us off, Ben, what's the first ever game in the horror genre that you experienced? And the first game I owned in the spirit was Resident Evil 1 and 2, which I got with my PS1 when it first came out. Amazing. But what before you... that... Yeah, go on. Before that, I played the NES Friday the 13th game. Oh, okay. And what was that one like? Oh, it, it was just crap. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not worth you revisiting then. No, you're not even Jason, that's the thing. Oh, okay. So it's sort of based it was just like a stick on... figure with a knife. <laughs> That's a good thing about uh, the SNES graphics and sort of 16-bit era. Um, what was the first horror game that you remember playing, Dan? Um, not quite as old as the NES, uh, but uh, I remember Alone in the Dark on the PC. Uh, that was the first game badged as horror. It wasn't particularly scary. Um, I don't actually remember anything being properly giving me a jump until I played Clive Barker's Undying on the PC. Oh, okay. um, and that that was really good because it had like a little mix of technology and uh, and, ga- uh, and the horror setting. Um, and it was one of the first games that did a proper reflection in the game. And uh, there was a moment where you walked up to a mirror quite early on in the game and you could see the reflect- your reflection in it. And because it was quite novel, you, you did the typical uh, crouch a few times and stand up and, and see if the reflection matches you, you know, and, and get my gun out, put it away, get my gun out. And then this ghost appeared in the mirror behind me and I, well, shat myself, turned around, uh, pointed my gun and there was nothing there. And I turned back around and there was nothing in the mirror again. And I seriously, I had to reload a save because I was thinking, did I imagine this? Um, so that was the first effective use of horror in a game that I remember. Oh, cool. So I started gaming at a very early age. Um, the first horror game that I really experienced, um, I remember my dad had a, a PC uh, for the work that he was doing at the time. And up to today's standards, it was awful. It probably had about 15 megabytes disk space, uh, like disk space 
uh, no memory whatsoever, but I remember he had a game called Seventh Guest uh, on the PC. And uh-huh. it I was remember cra- that game. Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy experience because the, the way that the game worked, it had um, the environments were pre-rendered, essentially, um, more like photographs, and they sort of superimposed real video of people over these environments so it's a bit like the sort of the telltale games to today like sort of kind of point and click um but the way that they use the the video elements kind of made it look really realistic looking back on the game now if you do any youtube searches for it it looks awful but the way that they use sort of suspense and the fact that the characters were real actors it kind of it was really effective in that way um but after that, my sort of true sort of gameplay experience, because I only played Seventh Guest for sort of like a couple of times because my dad wouldn't actually let me play it unless he was at work and I booted <laughs> up his PC, um, was probably similar to Ben. Um, Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2. Um, but probably my favourite was Silent Hill on the PS1. Yeah, the fog. <laughs> yeah, I think... What resonated with me the most with Silent Hill more so than Resident Evil was was the fact that you couldn't see the whole map, you couldn't really see in front of you. There was a lot of sort of jump scares when the fact the um like the enemies would come towards you. And the thing that sort of grabbed me the most, which is probably a theme that we'll talk about for most of this podcast, is the atmosphere that was created with the sound and the music design. That's one thing that sort of really grabbed me in that game. Did you, any of you guys play the reboot they did with Silent Hill for the Xbox? They like imported it, but they did a really shit job of it, and it was worse than the original. I don't no. remember if I did. Because it was a package of Silent Hill 2 and Silent Hill 3, but they just made it rubbish. Oh, uh, yeah. No, to be fun, I was actually reading an article about that the other day, and they were saying that Silent Hill 2, because I think they released that, Xbox 360 HD collection on Xbox One backwards compatibility, and there was yeah. and there was one person saying that he would never touch that game again because how broken they made it on the Xbox 360 version. Yeah, because they lost loads of files or something to do with the actual game, so they just made bits. They pretty much just made it up as they go along from the sounds of it. Then yeah, which is yeah. a real shame because I experienced Silent Hill Two. On the PC, I think I had quite a decent PC when that came out, and that was an incredible game. Um, one of the first games where I kind of invested emotions in some of the characters, well, which is quite rare in games back in those days. Yeah. So after those experiences, sort of the PS One, is there any other sort of games from that era that you can remember at all, Ben, that you enjoy playing? Um, there was a really good game called Nightmare Creatures. Yeah, I think we've discussed And all that I can remember, it. yeah, you're a woman, you've got two blades and, like, kill werewolves and stuff. Yeah, from what I can remember, it was set in um, sort of like a gothic medieval era London, wasn't it, if I'm right? Yeah. The same era, there was a game called Clock Tower, ah, which yeah. was a really atmosphere horror game. Yeah, I remember Clock Tower. I've actually, uh, before doing the podcast today, uh, I wrote sort of two pages worth of horror games that I've played, just so obviously side notes. And one of the first games that I put, I actually put it before Resident Evil 2, uh, is Clock Tower. But I remember Clock Tower being a really good game. Did you ever play that, Dan? Yeah. Uh, no, no, never got around to that. It's a um, bit like, I remember think... that game you just mentioned with the mirrors? 
Oh, yeah. There's like a similar effect in Clock Tower. Ah, cool. So it may, may be a case of that those games borrowed themes from each other. So obviously discussing Nightmare Creatures, um, probably there's a few games that will come onto it a little bit later, which obviously borrowed themes from those games, uh, definitely borrowed themes from Silent Hill uh, and of Resident Evil 2, uh, 1 and 2 as well. Um, I think after sort of Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil 2 came out, probably sort of similar era to Silent Hill as well, a lot of games of a similar nature, uh, borrowing the same sort of the, the top-down views, obviously the way that the camera angles change as you go around corners. There's quite a few of those games that came out in the PS1 era. Um, I wouldn't necessarily class it as a horror game per se, but Dino Crisis always reminded me of those games as well. It's a horror game. It's a horror game. The first one's a horror game. The second... Yeah, the first one's a horror, the second one's an action game, and the third one's just shit. Yeah, I don't think I ever played the third yeah. one, to be honest with you. It's a 360 release. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, well, if it ever comes in backwards compatible, I'll, uh, I might invest in that if I ever get an Xbox One down the line. Um, another game that I really enjoyed, and it probably would be in my sort of top 50 games uh, on the PS1, was a game called Fear Effect. Did anybody play that one? Yeah, the name rings a bell. Yeah, so so basically the, the story was you're kind of like a Japanese special agent. Um, I think you were working for like a paranormal agency. I could be wrong there, just from what I remember, but it was the first game that sort of had um, like single cell shaded graphics, but the, the, the background environments were done from video. So the the environments themselves look super realistic but the fact that they added like the single cell shading characters a bit like um oh, what was there was a game called 13 if you ever remember that on the ps2 which was like the next one from that that uses single cell shading um but yeah that was a really good game so definitely try and check that one out if you get a chance to was fear effect set around um hong kong or somewhere like yes. that yeah yeah it was like an asian themed setting, I... yeah I it, think it I did very, it, but I've just forgotten it. Yeah. It had a very Blade Runner um, kind of style to it. Yeah, yeah, I think I remember it. Yeah, just played so many games over the years. Yeah, that's. I cool. think that shade effect um, graphic thing reminds probably the first game I remember with that was probably Fatal Frames. Mm, yeah, because yeah, the the rooms are like two D. And the character was like 1D or whatever. <laughs> there was no dimension to that character at all. No, it was just just walk, just walking to walls constantly in that game. <laughs> so obviously, the PS One had very like, quite a lot of horror games. Um, it, it definitely sort of kickstarted the the survival horror with Resident Evil. Um, moving on to the PS Two era. Um, it kind of took like a backwards turn, really. There wasn't as many games as in new IPs that came out that really stood out to me. Obviously, you had the the Resident Evil sequels. Um, obviously, Resident Evil 4 came out originally on the GameCube and then on the PS2. And obviously, you had Silent Hill 2, Silent Hill 3, uh, mm. Silent Hill The Room, I think the fourth one was called. Um, that was on 360. Yeah, that's on 360. Was it... Yeah, went on. It's Silent Hill two and three were on PS two. The rest were on consoles after. Ah, 
That's why we've got. Talking of game. <laughs> Talk, talking of GameCube though, Frank, did uh, either of you guys ever play Eternal Darkness? That yes. The, yes, that was the first game I had on the GameCube. Um, I I loved the way there was that sort of psychosis uh, meter, and when it built up, things started to happen in the game. Yeah, that was a great idea. Yeah, definitely. I. Go on, man. I brought the GameCube for the Resident Evil 4 originally because it was only going to come out on GameCube. Yeah, it was probably the first instance of like a weird timed exclusive, really. Um, and the GameCube yeah. itself was very ahead of its time in the sense of like the graphics of the games were real good. Considering the, um, the discs were the size of like a digestive biscuit, um, it was surprising mm. how much stuff they could actually fit on, those, on, the, on the discs themselves. I think... The first game I had on the GameCube was Donkey Kong, like the Bongo game. Did you ever play that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, Couldn't you put your GBA um, disc um, cartridges on GameCube? Uh, I can't remember being able to do that unless you could get a, a, like, you, a special adapter, maybe. I can remember you could put a Nintendo portable console cartridge in the GameCube. can't remember which one it was. Oh, I don't remember. I don't have it. Yeah, no, I have to search Might for that. Might have been an adapter. Yeah, maybe. I don't specifically remember being able to do that. But, but yeah, the GameCube was an amazing console. And when Resident Evil 4 came out for it, it was it was game-changing, essentially. I remember that when you walk into the first village and you've got the bloke with the chainsaw and like, you climb up the ladder and you're trying to get away from him and like the, the first time he chops your head off was just like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> I've had my head chopped off. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I think because obviously with three D games being quite primitive uh, in the first instance of the PS two, um, and the GameCube was kind of like the the, the stepping stone between the PS two era and the PS three era. Like you got the GameCube sort of later on in the games in uh, the console cycle, and they started churning out some really good games. Um, obviously Resident Evil 4 being one of them Eternal Darkness being another um, I'm trying to think there was another horror game that I played but I can't remember sort of pinpoint the name of it but but yeah it was a groundbreaking console um, and it's one of those consoles that I wouldn't mind trying to find in CEX or something like that and trying to pick it up sort of quite cheap they're about 60 quid in CEX so. oh really I remember sort of like a couple of years <laughs> ago you could probably find one for about 20 quid so it's a shame really but retro gaming you can get a Wii, isn't it? You can get a Wii U in CX for 68 quid at the moment as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want a Wii U though, that's the problem. <laughs> Speaking of Resident <laughs> Evil 4, did any of you guys hear about Resident Evil 3.5? No, no I don't. No. Basically, it was more like Resident Evil 4, but it what Devil May Cry became. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because yeah, it was to more to do with ghosts. There was ghosts like you could. There's you can find the footage on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. Just type in Resident Evil three point five, and that's how they, Devil May Cry became a game. Yeah, they were working on the new Resident Evil, and they went, "We need to shift this into another um, uh, IP because it's actually completely different, but still quite good." And that's probably why they yeah. Yeah. decided to go down that route because. Devil May Cry has its horror elements, but you wouldn't consider it specifically as like a horror game, would you? It's more of like a an action. 
But yeah, it had these ghosts in, and then they converted it to like the Dante character, and then like changed the whole idea again, and it became Devil May Cry. Yeah, so talking to Devil May Cry, obviously the new one um, set to be released sometime in 2019. Uh, definitely looking forward to playing that one because it's been a while since I played a decent game like that. It's considering Bayonetta went to the Switch, but we won't go down that route of the reasons why Nintendo bought that franchise and didn't let anybody else play it. So I'm a bit Never played Bayonetta, so... I really enjoyed the first one on the PS3. I really, And as soon as they said that... Uh, Bayonetta 2 was going to be a Wii U exclusive. I was just sort of like, why? Why would you do this to me? It's unnecessary. So, in the era of Resident Evil 4, um, game that came out a similar sort of time, very controversial. Uh, it got banned in... I know it got banned for a definite in Australia, because they ban everything. Um, was Rockstar's Manhunt. That came out before Resident Evil 4. Ah. A but couple yeah. of years, two years, I think. But for a game, it was not necessarily horror in the sense of uh, scary demons or anything like that, but you definitely had sort of like the violence part uh, of the horror genre, um, very sort yeah. of uh, reminiscent of like Jason uh, and Freddy Krueger and different sort of serial killers, um, sort of like the, the cliche versions of those. But I remember playing that. When it first came out, it's probably a game at the age that I was that I probably shouldn't have played. Um, and just hearing all the backlash it got for the violence and the things that you can do and putting um, sort of shopping bags over people's heads and stuff like that. Yeah, it got banned in this country after a while. Yeah, I know. I think Manhunt Man 2 definitely got banned at launch, didn't it? And they had to uh, yeah. amend, amend a few things before they could release it. Because I've still got the first Manhunt on PS2 before it got banned. Because you can't buy it. You can buy Manhunt 2, but you just can't buy the first Manhunt. It's probably one of those games that if you had the uh, the original press of it, it's probably going for quite a lot of money on eBay. I never thought of that. <laughs> there you go. Money-making <laughs> scheme. Get on eBay and find out how much it's worth. Uh, so, are there any games that you remember at all, Ben, from sort of like the PS2, um, original Xbox era, sort of in the horror genre that stood out for you at all? Oh, it would have been mainly the Fatal Frame games because they all went like Japanese releases. And it took me years to track some down, but once I played them, it was like, why did they not release this over here? Yeah, I think... The problem with sort of those Japanese niche games is there's there's definitely a market for them in the Western sort of world, but they tend not to sort of release them um, unless they get a lot of traction or a lot of sales in in Japan, which is they're a shame. so good, though. Yeah, they're just really good. There wasn't much horror for the PS2, I don't think. I don't think there was much for the Xbox either, really. No, I think no. The problem about that console generation is they steered a lot towards sort of action adventure games and first person shooters they were sort yeah. of like Lots the of main sequels, era yeah. of the computer the consoles could handle decent first person shooters um so obviously they went down the route of time splitters and obviously halo uh, on the original xbox so but 
once they moved on to the Xbox 360 PS3 era, um, obviously graphics getting better, AI is the main thing that sort of improved in those consoles. They could sort of fit a lot more into the games. So obviously moving into that generation, the first game that I experienced when I had an Xbox 360 was uh, Condemned Criminal Origins. Did you ever play that? Yes, I was going to mention that game. Because yeah, like it's got too. one of the best tension in any game that's been released. That's one of the you don't expect that... it to be horror. There's there are there are different kinds of horror. There's sort of that creeping building horror where you know something's going to happen, and there's jump scares, and you know there's there's uh, gruesome, gory horror. There's there's so many different types. Um, but that condemned really really built up that feeling of fear. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing that worked. The best for me about Condemned is it, it, it had an element of both in the sense of you were going through sort of like dark corridors or depending on which sort of building you were in. Um, the music worked really well. The atmosphere was great, but it also had the jump scares as well because you knew if you had a terrible weapon that something was going to come out after you at some point in time. And I remember, I can't remember whereabouts in the game it was, but you're walking through a corridor with loads of bookshelves um, and oh, you yeah. just hear, hear one of the guys sort of shout at you like really really loud knocked over one of the bookcases and starts running towards you and you're there like ah crap I've got like the worst weapon in the game what do I do do I run away do I attempt to attack it and I think that game led on or sort of opened a lot of developers eyes on what's possible in the survival horror genre obviously they had a sequel um, which I don't think I enjoyed as much as the original one just because it wasn't new, if you get what I mean, but that was definitely... It wasn't a horror. No, no, and I think they went more down sort of like the action route in the sense of like they had easier weapons to use and things like that, but if they could bring back, obviously, that that series, I reckon in today's graphics, it would be a really good game to sort of reboot. Yeah. Um, Another game on my list that I wrote down, which is a game I had on the PC... Uh, originally, but it did come out uh, on the PS3 and the Xbox 360 later on, was uh, was Fear. Did you guys ever play that? Yeah, I played Fear. I was going to mention that as well. Yeah. Did you play it, Dan? Yeah, I remember there was a beginning bit with uh, a girl with long, dark hair, so sort of borrowing heavily from themes that were around in film at the time, like The Ring and stuff like that. And The Grudge um, and things like that, yeah. Yeah, the grudge, yeah. So and and I remember moments where she'd run across your, your torchlight in the distance and things like that. Yeah, so yeah. Fear was really creepy. Um the main thing that it did well, uh, was the slow motion combat. The the fact that you could just slow down time and shoot things and like the blood would fly out of people in slow motion was incredible. But I think the atmosphere and the tension and the story as well was quite good. Um I always remember playing through the first level over quite a few times on the on the PC, um, just experimenting with the different ways that you could kill people. You could get a nail gun, and depending on where you shot them, depending on where they stuck to the wall. So if you shot them whilst they were jumping and you hit them in the leg, they would stick to the wall on the leg, and that was awesome when it first came out because no games sort of had that gameplay element. Um, but, yeah, I remember, I think it's Paxton Fettel, I think the, uh, the lead protagonist's name was, like the bad guy. But it kind of obviously spawned sequels. 
the second one got a little bit more actiony, um, and it wasn't as good. Uh, and the third one kind of went down the route of co-op play where you could play as two characters, but the first one was definitely the best in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't play the follow-ups. Oh, yeah. No, I you... played the second, but not the third. No, the third one's probably if unless you want an easy platinum, then the third that's the only reason the third one's worth playing. <laughs> uh, and I think I picked it up for a pound in CEX. So if you want a cheap bargain, then go grab that one. So the Xbox 360 and the PS3 had a long life scale um, until obviously the, uh, the, the one and the PS4 came out. And there was loads of sort of branching um, versions of, of the horror genre. Um, we kind of need to mention it even though it's not necessarily the main game, but Call of Duty Zombies was very, very popular, and still is, obviously, to these days, but that led to a new kind of type of survival horror. So, um, obviously, the format is, like, you're you're stuck in a room, obviously, the first map that they released, and you pretty much just have to survive. Um, but it's still around today, so it's kind of proved that that's a format that worked. I think that yeah. co-op kind of left for dead style kind of thing is is something that that really could continue to go places. Like today, we've got um, there's there's a few games coming out like uh, Vermintide and um, oh, I can't remember. There's one that's just come out on Xbox um, where you're fighting aliens. Yeah, Earth, that's Earthful, it. Earthful, yeah. yeah. Um, and and while they're not a hundred percent horror games, they've got that kind of having to work together in order to survive um feel so you know i i think there's there's certainly some some legs to that genre yet but um we'll, we'll have to see if it's got long to go yeah i think the things that worked with left for dead um the things that didn't work is the fact that there was only a limited amount of levels but the fact that there was so mm. much coming at you at one time and then you kind of had like a break and then you moved on to the next area and then there was loads more things coming at you kind of that added to the tension of the game. There's a secret to Left 4 Dead. Oh, really? And what's that? Did you know it's got dynamic difficulty on it? Oh, okay. In what sense? In the sense, if you're on your own, more zombies will come for you, but if you're in a group, they're a bit more spread out, and more you die, the, the group, yeah, they first did that with Resident Evil 4, but they've added that to Left 4 Dead. Oh, that's quite clever. I suppose with those sort of games, if you get overwhelmed too often, you get frustrated and you tend to sort of quit the game. So it's kind of a good thing to add, allowing you that break if you're like you're constantly dying over and over again. There's nothing worse than sort of like not being able to get past a specific part of the level. Um, Another sort of game going on the on the basis of things running towards you, um, games that became quite popular uh, in the PS3, Xbox 360 area was the, the Dead Island game, the first one. Yeah, the first one, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed the first one. Um, didn't play the, the Riptide, was that the second one? Yeah, yeah, it's just not necessarily a, a successor or, or numbered sequel, but it was obviously a sequel, yeah. yeah. Glorified DLC. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rip. I think what Riptide did well is it was it started straight after the first one ended. Um, 
they added loads more things to the environment, loads more weapons, but it just it, to me wasn't as as good as the uh, the first one. The problem is they added more guns, whereas the game uh, the first one was more melee combat, which kind of worked. Obviously, the Techland, the developers of the uh, the first one. Uh, released Dying Light on the PS4 and obviously set to release Dying Light 2 soon so that franchise is going to live on for a while um, but Dead Island 2 is still dead on arrival and we don't know when that's gonna, actually going to happen so so switching up types of horror games um, a game called uh, Alan Wake came out on the Xbox 360 uh, and PC obviously uh, made by Remedy, the guys who made uh, the original Max Payne game. Um, did you guys play Alan Wake? Alan Wake, uh, no, yeah. To, to me, it was a bit like a light in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely with boring. The, mixed with the thing. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I definitely get what you mean. There was, did, before we discuss Alan Wake, actually, before we forget, did you ever play the thing game? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember. Yeah, having, I, re- I, re- I remember having that on the PC, and it's probably the worst movie tying game uh, ever to be released. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, but yeah, Alan Wake was really good. Very atmospheric. Um, the soundtrack was really good. It borrowed from games like Alone in the Dark, Silent Hill. Um, it's kind of a shame that Remedy didn't make it into a franchise, really, because it's probably uh, quite an underrated game um, when it came out, which is a shame. Moving on to the current-gen uh, consoles. There's one the... game we forgot to speak about. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, well, yeah, what was that? It's Dead Space. Yes, yes. I didn't actually write that, that down. That is the best horror game I played on the 360. It's probably... Because it was original. Horror... Yes, yeah, of course it was, yeah. yeah. So... I probably say it's one of my favourite horror games of all time, and I'm surprised that I didn't actually write it down. Um, I still remember the first time that I played Dead Space, um, and yeah, the atmosphere was incredible. The fact that you're on an abandoned space station, um, the character was really cool, uh, and the thing that, that stood out to me first when playing that game is the fact that there was no real visible like heads-up display, Unless you sort oh, yeah. of like aimed your gun, you couldn't actually see your health, or uh, the health was on your back, wasn't it? But obviously, you couldn't see your bullets unless you aimed, and that was really cool. Yeah. And it added to the fact that there was no distractions on the screen and the jump scares in that game. There were there were so many of them as well. And let's not forget, it's probably the best Alien game that's not technically in the Alien franchise, but <laughs> it's it's better than any Alien game out there. Probably, yeah, better than any Alien game ever released. Obviously, you can set the argument about Alien Isolation, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same as Dead Space. I think that what Dead Space did right was you had sort of limited ammo. Um, there was tension when you kind of went into like the zero-G bits and obviously your, your oxygen tanks were depleting. And um, The second one wasn't too bad either, but the third one was god-awful. Did you ever watch the film Dead Space? They no. released. No, it was it the cartoon one. Yeah. No, I never. I I saw it advertised, but I think Dead Space always reminded me um, of a film Event Horizon. Did you ever see that? Oh, I love that film. 
Mm. Um, no, I'm not sure I have. Watch that. It's basically like a horror film set in space. Um, it's got Sam Neill, who was in Jurassic Park, uh, and I th- Lawrence Fishburne, if I'm correct. Um, is that right, Dan? Is Lawrence Fishburne in that? Yeah. yeah. La- Lawrence Fishburne and uh, the, the line Salve Tutame, when they realised that it's uh, save yourselves, not save me. Mm. That was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> so highly recommend you, you to try and find a copy of that. Um, and watch that and whilst we're on the uh, the subject of films and Sam Neill um, there's a film called In the Mouth of Madness which is my all time favourite horror movie um, if you haven't seen In the Mouth of Madness I highly recommend you to go and find that film yeah I've seen that one yeah cool have you seen it Dan? Uh, no I haven't no no I've so, a look my memory of that film is I remember we were in St Albans when we were a kid, when I was a kid, and we were there for about a week because that's where my my family live um, on on my mum's side. And every day we went past this massive billboard, and it had the poster for In the Mouth of Madness. And I was always intrigued because basically the poster's like an open book, and there's loads of like weird faces and spirits coming out of it. And I always thought, I wonder what that film's about. But obviously, I was probably about six or seven, and I was around 11 or 12, and I found it on VHS. Um, I can't remember where I was, if I was at somebody's house, but I just remember borrowing this VHS and putting it on and thinking, Jesus, this is like the scariest thing I've ever seen. It's probably not that scary now, but yeah, highly recommend that. Anybody listening, (laughs) if you haven't seen Event Horizon or In the Mouth of Madness, uh, definitely worth a watch. Um, Moving on from uh, Dead Space is once we entered the uh, the PS4, Xbox One era, uh, a new kind of survival horror kind of took over, and it took over for a couple of years, but they kind of sort of slowly died down now with the introduction of uh, found footage horrors. Um, they kind of went down the line with that with games, and one of the games that I played in that sort of style was Outlast. Did you guys play Outlast? Yeah, I've got the first one. Yeah, I played it. I it just didn't click with me so yeah so outlast is one of those hit and miss games and i personally don't enjoy the genre that sort of it spawned many different games um from that sort of genre was the fact that you don't have any weapons um it is pretty much a running away simulator hiding in a closet absolutely crapping your pants and hoping the thing that's coming after you doesn't actually find you so it worked in the sense of it built a lot of tension. Uh, it was kind of cool, the elements that it had that you couldn't see in the dark unless you lifted up a camera with night vision, and that was really cool. Um, but it did spawn a few different games in that genre, but it, it kind of seemed to die, die um, off quite quickly, which is, which is a shame because they could have done a lot with it. But the one game that did come out from that, which was supposed to be the new Silent Hill game, um, was the PT demo, which I'm assuming both of you played. Yeah, yeah I, I did enjoy that. Um, I like the reuse of environments, but changing things slightly and making it uneasy. You can buy that. my PS4 if you want with it on. Oh, to be fair, <laughs> I, I think it's one thing that I'll never delete off my PS4. Um, I remember they announced it E3, I want to say 2016, but I could be wrong. Um, no, before that. Was it? Was it before that? Because 
I remember on Amazon, I had a pre-order for the 30th of December 2015 that it was meant to get released. So there you go. So it probably was, yeah, E3 2014, 2015. But they announced the fact that in the E3 conference that there was this demo. And I remember downloading it straight away whilst watching the stream. Uh, and then I wait till to the next day to play it with my wife. And all I can remember is us going round and round and round this. Essentially, it's just one corridor in a house, isn't it? And you go round and uh, every time that you re-enter the door and you go round for the next time, there's subtle changes and then something major would change and then you go into the bathroom and there was something different in the sink. And yeah. It had so much promise. Uh, obviously, and puzzles in it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end, you you had the trailer uh, with Norman Reedus, obviously from Walking Dead fame. Um, but I'm kind of yearning for a new Silent Hill game. I didn't particularly want it to go down the route of the first person um, sort of view, but the themes and stuff that they had were really cool in that demo. Is isn't there a game that's coming out for PC that's basically PT? but some guys just made a, like, a horror game in a house. So the answer to that question is yes and no. So uh, there was a Japanese uh, developer. He was 17, I think, um, was making uh, a PT game for the PC. Um, but Konami basically shut it down, um, said that due to sort of licensing restrictions, they don't technically own the, the rights for that game. So he wasn't allowed to make it. But... Coming out of that, they actually gave him a job. Ah, yeah, because there was a, he had a release and everything, which he had a title and I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, so it's a shame, really, that we'll never see that game. But the fact that the uh, the silver lining was that they gave him a job and they didn't just say, "Look, look, look, mate, you can't make that game because it was supposed to be our game." So, so there's obviously so that, but. From PT, obviously Capcom got wind of what they were making and they turned Resident Evil 7 pretty much into that game. In a sense. Yes. The thing with Resident Evil 7 is it's a good game to play through once, but you don't want to play through it again. No. I say, unless you're getting the platinum for it, um, you can speed run that game in like a matter of hours if you needed to. But did you play it, Dan? Did you ever get to play Resident Evil Seven? No, I've never got around to it. But it it, it is one that's on on that backlog list, so uh, I will get there one day. Yeah, it's one of those games that you kind of have to experience. Uh, I think my first playthrough time clocked in at like just over six hours. So it's a game that's short and sweet, but. The tension is quite good. Uh, the fact that there's like mm. people coming after you, and there's uh, one of the guys in the house. Essentially, the storyline is you're in a house, um, basically like Hills of Eyes, hillbilly style uh, family, um, and one of the main bad guys is his like the dad, and he's sort of like break through walls and coming after you and stuff like that. So, it, it graphically it was really good. That's one thing that I got from that game. So it kind of made the realism made it feel like you were actually there and it's in vr but i haven't played it in vr but i've heard that's like the game to get that's the only bit of it i have played i've had a go uh on it uh, at a friend's house in vr um and it it was terrifying it it was really really good so yeah definitely 
definitely worth checking out if you haven't played it. Like you said, it's it's short, so I wouldn't pay any more than like ten pounds if you needed to if you're gonna buy it. But the the other genre uh, of horror games, and you kind of mentioned it before in the games of what you were playing, Ben, which is kind of cool because that's like the last two games uh, that are on my list, is the one versus four sort of survival multiplayer horror games that have started to come out. There's yeah. there's games that aren't just horror. Um, Evolve came out a few years ago, and that was more of like an alien base, but... They released Friday the 13th and Dead by Daylight, which is essentially like a camp survival thing, isn't it? So you can either be one of four survivors or you can be a main protagonist, which I'm assuming is Jason. Do you play as anybody else apart from Jason in Friday the 13th? Um, You play as Roy, which is, if you know the Friday the 13th franchise, is Friday the 13th Part 5 when they tried to use a different character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't actually select to play play with Jason. This is my biggest thing with it. It's a random choice. Oh, uh, so you're either the the camp survivors, camp or Jason, uh, but you don't have the yeah. choice to say, "I always want to be Jason." If you get the chance to. Yeah, that's why I prefer Dead by Daylight because you got survivor and then you got killer, and you can choose which one you actually want to play as. Oh, that's kind of cool. And I know with Dead by Daylight, they added a lot more franchises, didn't they? So you've got uh, Jigsaw uh, and a few other people. Yeah, you've got Amanda Thompson. You've got um, Leatherface. you got my personal favourite, Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think what other franchises. Have you guys yeah, that's basically any... them. Have you guys played any of the uh, the indie games that have come out recently um, that, that that touch on horror or, or are horror games? Like, like which ones specifically? Don't um, Starve? Uh, well, yeah, I suppose Don't Starve has a, an element of it. Um, I played uh, Layers of Fear quite recently. That was... That's I was I've been meaning to play that game. Yeah, yeah. After, after a few beers on a dark night on your own in the house. <laughs> Not I bad, don't, not bad. I don't think I've I, 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 I've seen Laser of Fear. What, what sort of game is it? Uh, it's a first-person uh, game where you move uh, around a, an old house uh, and it, there's, there's a, a link to painting. Um, it, it's kind of hard to describe, but you're, you're basically going through it, discovering the story. Um, kind of on a, a similar... You know the sort of walking simulator games like um, Edith Finch and uh, and things like that. Yeah. Um, you you've got this sort of creeping sense of dread, but but loads of fear sort of adds in the uh, the jump horror jump scares as well. Oh, cool. Uh, another one I've seen recently that that looks interesting that I haven't tried yet is um, Hello Neighbor. I don't think I've heard, heard of that. Frank? Like, I've heard. Is that the one the mask done? It's no, with no, the smile. Of, um, that's we happy few, oh, isn't it? We happy few, yeah. yeah. Hello, neighbor. Is um, you are, I, I think you're basically a kid, and you've got to sneak into your neighbor's house because you believe that he is um, doing something nefarious in his basement, <laughs> okay. and it, so so you've got this um, sort of uh, 
it's, it's sort of a stealth horror game. You've got to sneak in. You've got no defenses. And if he catches you, you you're done for. Um, but the inside of his house is procedurally generated. So every playthrough will be different. Oh, that's quite clever. Um, so it's, it's a bit like a roguelike in the sense of you die, you start from the beginning. But the fact that the next time you play, it's not going to be the same scenario. So you're not going to know what's behind the yeah. door or if there's anything waiting for you. And the thing he's hiding in the basement will be different each time. Oh. So I think they've got something like a hundred and something different types of things that could be found in the basement from aliens to his dead wife. And, you know, there's all sorts of things that he's hiding. Hmm. Um, and you, you've got to find out on your playthrough what he's hiding in his basement. Oh, amazing. That sounds actually sounds really cool. I think the problem for me with indie games is I really enjoy playing indie games, but... I tend not to buy uh, or purchase games off the PlayStation Store or Steam or anything like that just due to the basis that I've got so many sort of AAA games or free-to-play games on the go that they kind of go under the radar for me. I kind of read up a lot on certain different types. The kind of I really want to play Octopath Traveler, and that's probably the main reason I might get a Switch for myself at Christmas, but obviously that's a turn-based <laughs> RPG. Um but the only time I ever experience the indie games is when they get put on the PS Plus titles. So I've played quite a few, um, but they've always been sort of more puzzly games than sort of like the horror genre, which is a real shame that they don't put more on there. Yeah, it would be good, yeah. Uh, so the one game that I do want to mention uh, before we wrap this up uh, that we haven't actually gone through is... It's a genre in itself, uh, and as you guys remember, if you listened to the last episode, it's one of my favourite games of all time, um, is Bloodborne um, and sort of the Soulsborne yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. So they are horror games in their own right with regards to difficulty spikes, uh, environments, themes, just all-out gore, uh, essentially. So you kind of can't have a, a horror discussion uh, without mentioning those sort of games, really. Nope. Um, so they borrow from a lot of the PS1 games as well, I think, the Dawnders. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's there's a lot of themes, especially we mentioned Nightmare Creatures beforehand. Um, and things like the difficulty-wise, they, they sort of borrow um, from the original uh, sort of SNES games and Genesis games, even the Amiga 500 games. Um, it's like Ghosts and Goblins or Gores and Goblins, depending on which one you played, um, which technically is a horror game as well, if you're sort of going, going back that far. Um, diff amazingly difficult. Um, so you could probably uh, specify those games into a genre of their own just due to the fact that they're that hard and they're kind of nightmare-inducing because they're hard. Yeah, you, you mentioned gore as well there, though, Frank. That's, that's an interesting point because gore alone doesn't make a game horror I mean, you think of doom or, or that recent game uh agony um which apparently was agony to play yeah. um <laughs> uh, i really wanted they, that game as well yeah so did i ben. yeah I, really wanted I, I wanted it to be good yeah um the there's a lot of gore in them but it doesn't necessarily make them feel like a horror game it's like in films, it's the score that makes it like a horror film more than anything else. Yeah, music can do a lot for it, yeah. Yeah, and that's the, the good thing about the evolution of game design and game development. Like, 
in the 8-bit era games and the 16-bit era games, you couldn't necessarily judge games considering them to be horror. Graphics were quite primitive, so gore wasn't really prevalent in those games and the soundtracks weren't really that in-depth or atmospheric. But the later the generations got on, especially sort of recently with some of the games that come out, like sound is very important in games. Um, it can kind of make and break a game, really. Um, obviously, adding gore for the sake of adding gore was probably Agony's downfall because it looked really promising. A game that was sort of set in the layers of hell and it looked quite scary, um, but it just kind of fell, out fat and it's, uh, fell flat on its face, unfortunately. And it was one of those games that a lot of people were looking forward to and it was just an absolute train wreck. But yeah, the um, the one thing I guess to take um, from this podcast is horror games are still incredibly popular, um, but you have to get them right. There's a lot of games coming out on the horizon which could be really good uh, in, in the horror genre. Um, Dead Island 2, if it ever comes out. Um, there's a few games that were shown off at E3, um, like the Sekiro, uh, Shadows Die Twice, uh, which is essentially yes. potentially a, a Bloodborne successor, um, could be quite good. Are there any other games that are on the horizon for you two at all, Ben? Resident Evil 2 remake. Oh, yeah, we never mentioned that, did we? Yeah, uh, I think that's the only one I can think of. Yeah, I think... Um, there's meant to be a new Slenderman game coming out, but yeah, I don't... I think... No, the that's still in the works. A, a movie, so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if there's like a weird movie tie-in um, for that game. But Resident Evil Two remake is definitely the one to look out for at the moment. I think. Yeah, and there's rumours is that successful uh, might reboot Dino Crisis. That'll be amazing. <laughs> like back to Dino Crisis. <laughs> Dino Crisis with like Jurassic World graphics. Like, obviously, I mean, the film, like, obviously, the CG renders that they do on the dinosaurs, that would be incredible, because one one thing that we don't really have, you kind of say Horizon, in a way, but not not quite, but, like, a realistic dinosaur game, that would be amazing, because we kind of don't have that anymore. They kind of go down the route of zombies uh, more so than monsters and dinosaurs, which is a shame. I was just saying it's easier to animate uh, zombies because you can put ping pong balls on people and, and track them. Yeah, and get them to you walk can't, really slowly. It's really hard to glue the ping pong balls to a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's true. Considering they're all sticks. Cool. Um, I reminds me of one funny scene in an evil dead game for the PS2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a dinosaur like S creature like that comes from the Necronomicon. And it was just, it, the AI was so atrocious on it, it wrecked the whole scene of the game for me. Oh, really? It was just walking sideways. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with those sort of, the movie franchise tie-in games is they either do them really well, which is very rare, or, yeah, they, they just make them really shoddily, which is a shame, because they probably could make a really good Evil Dead game. Um but it's one of those... I thought the first one for PS2 was good. The I don't think I ever played that one. It's a bit like Predator Concrete Jungle. I thought that was a good game. Hmm. Yeah, those those sort of games were kind of cool. And obviously you had like the Aliens versus Predator games, which you kind of didn't make, mention, which were more action 
than they were horror games, but you could probably... Multiplayer game, I think, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even things like Mortal Kombat, like the fighting genre as well, like you could consider some of the elements of the Mortal Kombat games, especially the uh, the more modern ones, to be sort of shoehorned into kind of like a horror genre, but that's going sort of way out in the, uh, in the different yeah. genres, isn't it? With the brutalities and fatalities and yeah, all that. Stuff like, yeah, so... Obviously, different games borrow on the genre, but there's only sort of a few specific die-hard franchises. Um, but Resident Evil's still alive. Hopefully, Silent Hill will make a return. Uh, and potentially, maybe even um, Alone in the Dark and games like that might even make a return. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. Let's go. All, I reckon it's all going to depend on how well Resident Evil 2 does. Yeah, so... To whether they reboot any other franchise. Capcom owns a lot of horror games. Yeah, they do. Um, And obviously seeing it with uh, Crash Bandicoot and soon-to-be Spyro, platform games are probably going to make a resurgence. So in that sense, hopefully Resident Evil 2 Remake does do really well because I would love to see more games like that because I don't want the horror genre to die out. I'm sort of sick to death of playing sort of first-person shooters and things like that. So it'd be good to sort of switch up once in a while. So yeah, so that's kind of covered the basis uh, of the horror genre this week. Um, tune in next week, uh, and we'll be discussing the uh, the news of the week. Uh, we're yet to decide the uh, topic, but stay tuned to our Facebook page uh, and all the channels that you can catch us on, and we will let you know. Uh, but for this week, I've been Francis. See you soon. I've been Dan. Hello, I've been Ben. Cheers. Mm-hmm.